0: Welcome to Resilience in Life and Leadership with your host, Stephanie Olson, speaker, author, addiction, sexual violence, and resiliency expert. Hello and welcome to Resilience in Life and Leadership. And I am here to welcome Dr. Stefan Neff to my show, who I consider now a friend after spending podcasts with him between his and mine. Dr. Stefan Neff is passionate about demystifying mental health problems and helping the people around him live a life so full of joy that yesterday is jealous of today. Born in Germany, Stefan has studied medicine at the prestigious Heidelberg University before traveling and working around the globe. Nowadays, he has settled down as a doctor in beautiful New Zealand, and has become a best-selling author and advocate for mental health and addiction. He is uniquely qualified in this role. After all, a lifetime of trauma, led Stefan to drown his sorrows only to find that the critters can swim. As an alcoholic in recovery, he has experienced addiction and mental health problems firsthand. After successful rehabilitation, Stefan is now an expert in living a life so fantastic that alcohol has simply no role to play. He shares his passion through his podcast, YouTube channel, and other social media, all titled My Steps to Sobriety. In his book, My Steps to Sobriety, he shares the lessons he has learned as a doctor and as a man, and the truth is simple, the past does not equal the future. Every alcoholic can turn his life around one little decision at a time, and this book shows how to do it, and we welcome Dr. Stefan Neff. Hello, and welcome to Resilience in Life and Leadership. I am so excited because I am here with Stefan Knapp. And I consider you my friend at this point. I had the wonderful opportunity to be on your podcast, and now I am thrilled that you are joining mine. So welcome, Stefan.
1: Oh, it's an absolute honor. It's a pleasure to be at on your show. And I hope I can make... Uh, I can help you in your mission to make this life a little bit better out there, one interview at a time. So I'm honored to be part of that.
0: I love that. I love that. Now, you have a podcast called Hmm. My Steps to Sobriety. Tell us a little bit about how your journey began and how it got you to um, doing what you're doing now. Hmm.
1: Well born in 66 um i lived in my youth in germany in the 80s and and there was i mean the degree of psychology input i had was basically watching mel gibson and lethal weapon watching bruce willis um these were all the the anti-heroes that i identified with so basically it was yeah Well, exactly exactly (laughs) damn it the best, the best Christmas film is Die Hard. Okay, so right. please That's let's be right. clear about that. But I think the reality is that that I mean, from the word go, alcohol was part and parcel of the, the society in Germany, and it is an integral part, and everything is sort of linked and weaved around the alcohol. Interestingly enough, alcohol did they actually not come into my life uh, much later, but first came the trauma, and first came came um, an assault, a, a gang assault that I was the victim of, um, which then turned... And I was early teenager years, which then turned me quite dark. Um, I brought the the ringleader behind bars. Um, He threatened revenge. And I thought, okay, I've got three years whilst he's behind bars to get my shit together, to turn from a little bit of a pudgy uh, teenager into this Bruce Lee fighting machine. And I did. And that was... It was an interesting journey, but it was a very dark journey. So physically I I turned lean and 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 it was cool. Um but it was I was constantly on the lookout. And nowadays it was blatantly blatantly obvious it was p t s d um then no one gave a damn about it um no and talked about it really correct mm-hmm. correct, so therefore, I never had any psychological help, neither from my parents who didn't know better, nor from the system which hadn't had anything in place to help me, nor by myself this wasn't this was before self help Books really became big out there. This was, I was basically left to my own devices. And in my logical brain was, okay, you're going to be a fighter. So work like one. So four hours training a day and then school and then, and so on. Um, that was all quite nice, but it was a darkness that had surrounded me. And then I was finished at school, started university. Um, and suddenly I discovered girls and I discovered partying and I suddenly realized that when I have a drink I can actually relax and it was such a beautiful feeling I could forget the trauma I could forget the pain I could actually let go and that was beautiful oh I loved it so and alcohol became my new friend and i had a truly good social life um and i did what young men do when they're let loose out of the supervision of 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 mommy and daddy and there were lots of girls who were out of the supervision of their mummies and daddies we had a very beautiful good times Mm -hmm. and and yep so and alcohol became part and parcel of that life and it was it was nice. So there was a time when alcohol was truly a friend of mine, and uh, it helped me to come out of my shell, to stop the shyness, to to stop to uh, to really disinhibit myself, right. so that I can finally be the person maybe who I wanted to be. And it was beautiful. So I must admit that. But life doesn't just give you roses and beautiful, funny times, it gives you also more trauma. And I maybe had more than than my fair share. Um, so maybe not surprisingly, over the years, I relied more and more on alcohol, because ultimately, I had not learned how to deal with negative emotions. I had not learned to recognize depression in myself, anxiety attacks, those kind of things. I had never... Been taught the principles of integrity, humility. I was a cocky little git. I was, oh God. But that was the survival. That was, that was me. I didn't, I didn't know it better. Um, I had to be the best of the best of the best. And that, you know, that means laying as the, as many women as I can. Mm -hmm. That means drinking as hard as I can. That means working as hard as I can. I always had an incredibly hard work ethic. So here I was again. Instead of dealing with problems and trauma, I was working. And working, working, working. I distracted myself. Kind of proving
0: and here, yourself over and over and over again. Absolutely.
1: Because- absolutely. So, you know, as a, as a junior doctor, you do sort of uh, rotations. Or as a So you do your university, and then you become a junior doctor in the hospital system. And you typically work six months rotations in, let's say, medicine and surgery in eye surgery, etc., now, for all of these six six uh, months, I made a principle that I do a publication, a scientific publication every six months with someone there. And, you know, it was that kind of not just doing crazy amount of work, but actually taking on more work and constantly proving yourself, constantly having to be the best. And it's a bloody exhausting, exhausting life. I mean, you're young, you can do it. You work 16 hour days and then you go out drinking. And that's cool. For a while, that works. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's right. That's right. And so again, trauma upon trauma upon trauma and then throw some trauma in just for good measure. And it is, yeah, my, my drinking got worse and worse and worse. And that covered, I mean, that story covers now the better part of 20 years, really, until my early forties. When, um, this, no, this was no longer a love affair with, with alcohol. It was a very toxic marriage with alcohol that I was in. And it was really, it, it dragged me down. And whilst I never had problems with the law, I never had problems, uh, run ins with, with police for DUI or something like that. It was still, I was, I was working on. A suicide in installments um i was just drinking myself stupid and then luckily uh my wife stood by me now she has got her own story with alcohol she has got her own story with with trauma she is just as broken as i am and maybe therefore therefore we had our our crazy relationship we had fantastic love life and we had the most fantastic wars. I mean, I mean, I mean, you talk third world war on, on steroids. That was our ma- marriage. And it was just how the hell we did not get divorced. I do not know. Um, we somehow survived all that craziness. And we're now fantastic partners. But yeah, bottom line is, I mean, there were many times when I was walking away, she was walking away and somehow we, we, we stayed together. Um, and that was equally when she got dry. She, with the help of her church and her newfound faith, she got her shit together. And whilst she didn't do as much counseling, etc., she still managed to stay sober. Um, and then down the line, I was spiraling out of control. And she was instrumental in getting me admitted to a rehabilitation hospital and um, gave me the holiday of a lifetime, so to speak, yeah. 28 days, yeah. um, full board. And it was <sighs> the most beautiful and the most terrifying thing mm-hmm. I had ever attempted because I had to now stop using alcohol as a band-aid. That's scary. I had, oh shit, yeah. Mm -hmm. I had to learn what emotions are because so far whatever came up, I numbed. So now I had to learn how does it feel like to be sad? How does it feel like to be angry? And to actually look at myself. And this is, this was, this was scary. It's And none, none of the, the rehab inmates, was in any better place. We all hated the 10 o'clock emotions session um, <laughs> where you sit around and you're not allowed to hide. Oh, that's right. <laughs> you're sitting in this circle and you're not allowed to have anything in your hands, no hat, no sunglasses, no nothing. And the, the facilitator just said, morning, here we are to the emotion session. And then he shut up. And there was this leaden silence. And sooner or later, someone said something. And then someone else said something. And sometimes there were funny things. And sometimes there were fights breaking out. And it was all weird. But it was, it was, we actually experienced emotions. Um, we looked into other people's eyes. They couldn't hide. We saw their emotions. And it was weird. It was weird. As if you're learning how to breathe, how to be a human being again. That was at this basic level. Yet, here was a, as a doctor. I mean, for Christ's sake, yeah. you should you fit. You should think. Well, I know what what emotions are, what depression is, what PTSD is. Well, yes, I knew all the criteria, and I, I was very good in diagnosing it in others. I saw it a mile away that someone was drinking. <laughs> in the mirror, no, 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 no. I, I'm fine. The denial. Yeah. Oh, denial is such a beautiful thing, and it's the yeah. hallmark of addiction. Denial no. Me? I no no no. Joe down there. He is he is an alcohol. Look at him. Me? I'm just a social drinker. That's you know? right. I I'm don't just drink
0: out of a bag. I don't drink under a bridge. I'm good. Isn't it?
1: <laughs> exactly. the sheer fact that I have got my buck's fists or five of them in the morning for breakfast. Right. Yeah, you know, that's just because I'm a I'm a social butterfly. Yeah, right. But you don't have guests around. Oh that doesn't it's matter. I still Yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I said that. Oh, God. <laughs> but then again, there are, there are moments. I can hand on my heart say, a a can of beer saved my life. Uh, and uh, that was very early in my medical career in the former East Germany. So the wall had come down. I was working very close to the Polish border. Saturday morning, after a long night shift, I jumped into the uh, the train to get back to Berlin. And I was alone. I was it was the end of the line, basically, where I jumped in. And I had a shit of a night. And I actually had beer with me. I bought myself a beer there. And in the morning, 8 o'clock or so, I sat, I sat there and had a beer. And next stop, suddenly doors come open. And there were maybe eight, ten 10 skinheads came in. So like me, but including the, the right-wing tattoos and all the, the, the comfortable shoes so that he can kick that shit off someone. Yeah. And they walked in. Looked at me and dotted themselves all around me, so I, there was no way I could get out. I just looked around, looked back, and started keep drinking my beer. And they all had a beer on them. And it turned out that Saturday, that weekend, there was a meeting of neo-Nazis in Berlin. They were all there to get pissed and beat the shit out of someone, um, and have a good time. And the only reason that they sort of didn't really know what to do is I had this beer in my hand. I said, what are you doing there? I said, I'm a doctor, <laughs> looked around. And one guy says, I don't like doctors. Look what they did with my finger. And he basically had punched some on the finger was, you know, some weird because he had not looked after it. He probably didn't keep the cast yeah, on, etc. cetera. Yeah, yeah. And I said, I'm um, sorry to hear that, mate. Um, but, you know, here's to that. Hopefully, you know, it gets straight again. and. I swear to God, without that beer, I would have been now mincemeat somewhere because they were practicing for the day, you know, warming up, so to speak. Um, Fuck me! So you know, sometimes you have to say alcohol is good in your life. (laughs) Just if that, however, becomes
0: that's
1: right <laughs> <laughs> see <laughs> exactly be ready um so i was undercover so to speak or i was out of out of hiding shall i say yeah. but i mean a fun aside that, that was actually a true story but i think the reality is we keep forgetting that alcohol serves a purpose um for many people out there and when you then come into rehab and you suddenly uh they take away that crutch now that's a very wobbly gait you suddenly have without that crutch and you need to learn to walk again. And that's exactly the brutal thing that happened to me. Um, it is, is very hard. Um, what happens in rehab for those of you, if you've never uh, been aware of it, the first few days is detox because you're typically still on the bloody booze, um, and or drugs, whatever it is. And, um, the first few days, they actually get you through that. N- not very pretty face. For many people, it is the mixture of a nasty, uh, bowel infection or, or gut infection, uh, food poisoning and of a nasty flu. So you're feeling sick like a dog, vomiting, you know, goosebumps, sweating, uh, your, your heart raises along, your blood pressure is all over the show. You feel like shit. And um, for some people, it can be so extreme that they actually losing awareness of their own consciousness. So for them, they are in their own la la land, and that's called delirium. And it can be very scary, and it can become a medical emergency. Yeah. Therefore, it is is so important that you, when you come off your booze, you come off slowly, and ideally with the help of someone. Because my life, despite the fact that I'm a, a doctor, you would think I know about nutrition again what you do to your gut with your alcohol intake it destroys so much so you need when you come off the booze you need vitamins left right and center especially vitamin b or b complex god you need you need tons of it and zinc and selenium and so many other things that's where doctors and and rehab professionals come in to help you to get physically over the physical damage that you have done to your body um And then once you're through that stage, a few days, uh, then you are actually ready to take on the trauma inside of you and start laying a new foundation to get you, to let you uh, smell the real world, a world where you don't numb your feelings, where you actually need to learn how to have, for example, sober fun. So in rehab, rehab,
0: which is, which yeah. sounds impossible when <laughs> it, you start that, right? Oh my God, Exactly.
1: Yeah. And wow. it is so it's cool because it was mandatory for us. Every Tuesday, we would go bowling, like oh. it or lump it. It was forbidden to for you to stay home. Great idea. And yeah, exactly. So and they basically forced us to go out and to actually socialize in a setting where there is no alcohol. And it was actually really, really cool. And if you were the best in the, in the, that, that evening, you got a t-shirt and, you know, things like that. It was actually bloody good fun. Um, That's a good but, idea. yeah, isn't it? And, but these kind of things were in, in rehab were not, whilst it was mandatory on the Tuesday night, everything else was a privilege that you had to work for. So, for example, the first two weeks you are locked in. Um, you're not allowed to leave the premises. Because inevitably, you're such a wounded animal, um, you very quickly would relapse. That's uh, so many people do 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 that. Um, Then thereafter, you are allowed maybe on a shopping trip supervised. And that's so bizarre. (laughs) Again, I'm a doctor. I'm a judge. I'm a policeman. I'm an engineer. I'm a nurse. I'm, I'm a grown up. I, I ran my family. I have got three children that I brought up. And now you're telling me what to do. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And there was a damn good reason for it. Because if you had gotten your shit together beforehand, then you wouldn't be in the mess that you're in. Right. So, so they put you, they, they humbled you. And not necessarily in a, in a military style where they break everything down that was you and create the new fighting machine. No, they break all the bullshit down and then see what actually is in there. Try to do, to encourage the good things, the integrity, the humility and get rid of the bad things, the selfishness, the, all the, the, the other kind of negative emotions. Help you to get rid of those emotions and core beliefs that are so self-destructive. The guilt, the shame, those kind of negative things that just the wrong questions. Why me? Why me? Mm-hmm. Um, guess what? Your brain will give yeah. you answers. Yeah. And it's really good in that because that's what your brain does. It is designed to, for you to get the answer immediately. Right. So whatever you say, is or whatever you ask the brain it will come up with an answer so if you say why does it always happen to me Mm -hmm. it will a say okay it does always happens to him it takes that as a statement then it tries to find reasons why that is the case and it will come back with shitloads that's
0: right
1: and that's our stinking thinking our bad ah and that's what you need to learn in 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 any kind of improvement self self self-love program 12 steps whatever it is that you're dealing in life you need to figure out why are you actually in the mess that you are in and that's 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 bloody hell that's the rabbit warren that's the pandora's box that you open up in recovery because there are many reasons many of them go back to your childhood and it will be a challenge for you to explore that it's hard work and and no quick fix. Yep. Mm. Nope. Sorry, mm. sorry for all of you out there who are now used to the to the self service, to the uh, right. drive through, drive through everything. I want it now. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. This one
0: doesn't
1: uh, work that way. No. Trauma trauma comes in layers. Healing comes in layers. So therefore, your onion parallel you know you have to take one layer of the onion apart and then you find a bit of a mm, rather smelly bit of the onion i have to deal with that now next layer oh shit another bit of smelly and it's amazing how many how many smelly things you can find in your life
0: it's
1: amazing. <laughs> Isn't it? i didn't have to dig deep but the more i kept digging the more i found it is just come on but it is what it is it is what it is we are we are full of trauma, and when we say trauma, um everyone has sort of their their own immediate vision yeah. of trauma let's be quite clear; this is not a pissing contest. Right. Trauma can mean so many different things for so many different people right for some it is it it is neglect as a child where you had to be uh seen, not heard right. um for others, it is. The most brutal trauma, such as rape as a child or as a young adult, uh, For others, it is war-like situations. Yeah. For others, it is just a constant, constant level of toxic behavior that has hit them in their life and it seemed never to go away. And unfortunately, there are too many stories out there where where victims of childhood abuse then become victims of ongoing uh, abuse in adulthood because the patterns keep re-emerging. Um, it, there's too many of that uh, stories around. and But it is what it is. And these are the things that that you start discovering in recovery. So rehab is the start of your recovery. Recovery is the the process of creating a new life by taking small but constant steps in the right direction so that one day you end up in a life where yesterday becomes jealous of today because you know that today is a new day right now I'm exposing myself to a, a mental rectoscopy by you. Um, that's not necessarily very pleasant, may I say. Um, for many people, public speaking is one of the biggest tortures you could do. Um, uh, so there you go. So, But here I have found my, my voice. I'm actually coming out. I'm actually yeah it is it is very similar to to actually really opening up the windows and letting light into that dungeon that yeah. is the life for many people and the moment you start airing it out suddenly the stink disappears because you're actually taking steps to clean up this mess yeah, and hard, i'm but whilst hard. I'm full of trauma, that trauma doesn't define me yeah. the trauma is not me. Yes. That has happened to me in the past. There's nothing I can do about that, but I have got now the privilege to turn my story into a story of hope for others. Absolutely. And that's, that's my superpower. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I am now, you know, it is no spider was involved in biting me. No vat of radioactive material was harmed in the making of this superhero, but here I am. Um, yeah. uh, It is, I'm proud of who I am. Every single bloody scar, every single bloody line around my eyes that came with a price. And I'm proud of that. And that is so different from the man eight years ago that was sort of came into rehab. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) I had, uh, yeah, no, this, uh, this was crazy times. And the transformation that I was allowed to have and that I worked on so hard as beautiful. When I say work hard, not negative, not in a, in a sense of self-flagellation. No, I just like when you fly an aeroplane, you fly from point A to point B. So Auckland to Honolulu, let's say. And you know that 99% of the time, the aeroplane is actually off course. But that's where either the autopilot or the pilot will readjust the mission, will readjust the course. The wind drifts you a bit there. That's cool. You come a little bit back. And that is what recovery is all about. You look at who do you want to be. And you are not just vaguely, oh, I want to be healthy. I want to be wealthy. Now, what does health actually mean for you? Right. Oh, I want to lose weight. You're okay, tell me, how much would you lose? Right. Oh, I don't know. Well, I want to be exactly 100 kilograms. Not 137 that I am right now. So I'm putting something there. And then already I say, why do I want to do that? I say, well, I want to lose weight. No, and that lose weight, that's already a negative connotation to lose something. Well, to lose something is not very nice. You don't want to lose things. So maybe rephrase that into something positive. I want to gain flexibility and fitness. I want to gain, um, a new found love for me working out i want to gain those kind of things so so what what i did is i had a dream i created a vision and now i create a mission to get there Um, and i try to package it up positively Um, i don't want to die on a diet i want to create a lifestyle Mm -hmm. where i eat in such a way that it nourishes me puts a smile on my face because i look down and say wow this is really healthy and that looks absolutely bloody gorgeous as every color under the sun is in my on my salad here i love it and you know that's good and from now and then there will also be a cheesecake there okay yes. uh, beautifully dripping in all kind of luscious oh, mm. and that's okay Yeah. everything in moderation um right. but most of the time i will be actually looking out For myself, I will be looking after myself, and that's recovery. You learn how to love yourself, you learn how to accept yourself, and that is powerful. That's that's addictive. So, that's an addiction I want to have, and I'm proud of the addicted to live a life. And that's so beautiful.
0: And it it feels so. Freeing when you finally get to that place of sobriety, and you think this feels so good as opposed to what you had been dealing with, and I think that's what is is so hard, especially walking into um, that program or walking the thought of not. Whoops. <laughs>
1: I'm very, very pleased that you can't see all of me. <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> message to self: close coffee pot before you <laughs> let it drip into your face. You don't so need to go to the doctor. Do <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no! That was <laughs> lukewarm coffee. That's fine. Okay, Such a, it's actually nice and refreshing. I should do that in every show. <laughs> oh dear. That's so, you heard about wet t shirt contests? Yes. See, in New Zealand, it's a
0: whole different thing.
1: That's right. Oh, but back to your show now. That
0: is funny. I'm that was great. Well, um,. Yeah, I have no idea what I was saying. Jeez, I was easy. <laughs> <laughs> rarely am I speechless.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, so let me, let me, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> I will not send any pictures to any VIP guys. You can dream about that. Now, what is important? Look what has happened. I'm on Bloody International here podcast, and I poured freaking coffee over me. Can you imagine how I would have responded? The old me, the angry me, the resentful me. Yeah. I would have blushed. I would have yeah. been angry. I would have been, uh, yeah. I don't know. I would have fallen apart probably. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I would have asked how, why does that happen to me? Yeah, why me? And yeah, exactly. Now, yeah. so what has, what has actually occurred? Yeah, I slipped. My coffee was still open. i got a bit of a wet trouser. So what? So what this is, what is that in comparison with the true suffering, the pain that I've gone through? So nowadays I can actually distinguish from true negativity, true trauma, and what my catastrophizing brain wants to tell me. So that is the big difference. I now see what truly matters and what doesn't matter whatsoever okay so this is That's and this good. is this is the power god grant me the serenity to accept the things that i cannot change courage to change the things i can and wisdom to know the difference yes. that is the serenity prayer in a nutshell but too many of us only paid lip service they can maybe recite it but they don't live it yes. that here right now that yes. was living it because it. what can i do about it nothing can I actually use it to a positive to break the eyes and make you blush. Hey, yeah. that's cool. I'll take it. That's a bonus. Um, you know, that only happens on Stephanie's show. <laughs> yeah. See, <laughs> so no, that is actually, you know, this is, this is real life. And because that shit will happen. It's just a matter how you respond to it, Absolutely. how you, you work with it. And that is, that is a freedom that I cherish. This freedom of being able to choose my reaction. But the only way you can do that is because you've worked on the core beliefs that are deep down there that are driving you and maybe driving you to do stupid things. That are uh, I've I for sure had somewhere a core belief that told me, Oh my god, you're a failure. See and that core belief would have been reinforced by me right. pouring coffee right. over myself. Right. See, you're a failure. Right. You can't even drink. Um, right. you know, that kind of bullshit. But no, in actual fact, I'm, I'm surprised that voice didn't even come up anywhere. I just had to laugh about myself when it <laughs> happened. And it was, this was actually beautiful. Yet in the past, that yes. rotten core belief would have come up to play and would have had a field day because yes. I would have fed it with yes. all the guilt and shame and those kind of things. And now you have got a choice. Uh, Roll with the punches and make the most out of it, and that is that is a good life.
0: I love that. I love that. You know, sometimes I I find that people do two things with trauma. So they either because we all have trauma, all of us have some trauma in our lives at some point. But people either, oh my gosh, I would never that never happened to me. I would I never had anything like that happened. Or they do the opposite. My trauma is so much worse than
1: yours. (laughs) And no
0: way it is not just sitting with what it was that you experienced that made you feel whatever feelings those were. Because those feelings are sometimes really hard to feel
1: are so true and that was certainly that was part and parcel of it and i think it's the part and parcel of the disease of of addiction and of mental health problems that you catastrophize and that that truly you actually believe it hand on yeah. heart that you are the victim and nothing could be worse than what has occurred to you the only one. when i went into yeah when i went into rehab i had uh, exactly that, that belief system and Maybe quite rightly so, because I had been done wrong by, by an institution that I was fighting against. And it was, uh, it was, yeah, there were a lot of things that didn't go very well there. Uh, it was a very toxic, toxic kind of setting. And uh, I was consumed by that. I could not see anything else. And so one day in week two, my case manager asked me, um, can you write a letter to that institution, please, and bring it tomorrow to your session, and we can go through it. And I did. So I went out there and I wrote half of the night and pages after pages after pages, and there I was ready to go, ready the next day, and went in there and I wanted to go in in minute details, and she took the pieces of paper and said, like, hmm. folded them in half and put them to the side, and said, brilliant. So now, let's talk about you. And I said, uh, 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 and she said, yeah, that's, yeah, no, I understand that. Let's talk about you. And I was angry with that woman. I was so angry and I couldn't actually focus. I can't remember what we talked about in that session. Um, but I was pissed off. And I actually was quite outspoken against her in the next few days. But what she made me do is she said, hey, look, I've got a, a book for you. Uh, come back tomorrow. i give you that book. And that book was Written by a um, a woman who had married a, a, a husband from a different uh, culture, and their marriage fell apart. And the husband, out of honor, decided to, in broad daylight, uh, come back to her house, kill all her children in front of her with a knife, and her her father, all in front of them in the driveway, and. That all happens when you read a book, it happens in the first fifteen pages. And there I was before the trauma that I had, and I thought, Uh I had nothing on that. And suddenly I realized, wow, um, maybe I need to put things into perspective. So suddenly my trauma paled in comparison now i strongly disagree with comparing traumas Mm -hmm. Mine is bigger than yours. bullshit no i i hate that but it gave me the perspective to step back and actually look at my trauma and then the next thing that you need to do then is to actually step back and say okay this trauma has occurred did i contribute to that trauma what was my role in that whole scenario and that is that is the step four in 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 the 12-step program where you actually do a really brutal look a, a deep inventory of what has occurred in your life That's a and step. oh <laughs> shit, yeah isn't it isn't it but also i did that um you see i mean that was christ eight years ago now two years ago i started writing my steps to sobriety my book that uh, is out in Amazon. And the first version uh, was actually much darker and also much darker in the cover. So you this is this is the second edition now. But when I started writing, I, I wrote one chapter about postnatal depression um, because it's the book is all about also about the challenges that you will face in life. So I give you action plans that you might actually think about before it even hits you. You know, depression, anxiety, money problems, all those kind of things. So I had a chapter in there, postnatal depression. And I thought this was actually a really well-written chapter. And I described the postnatal depression of my wife. So I I thought it was well-written and I gave it to her to read. Oh, boy. Oh boy. Her recollection of her postnatal depression was rather (laughs) rather (laughs) different perspective. Also, the amount of anger that I, that, that I experienced and I saw in her eyes, uh, that was very clear. There was a lot of trauma that she had not yet dealt with, despite the fact that it is now nearly 20 years ago. Um, there you go. So bottom line is it is whenever you, you start working on yourself you you will find one trauma you deal with it and you think actually you've dealt with all the traumas and then suddenly something like that happens oh boy did i have to revisit things things that i had forgotten things that i had forgotten from that time which she held in front of my eyes and i thought oh yeah my mind didn't really want to remember that part where i was an asshole um, I in my story, uh, I was the, more the less hero. the hero. That's right. I was there to support <laughs> her. Right. you know? Um, and I was. Yeah. And she, her story, she is not lying. I'm not lying, but right. we have got different recollections right. of that part of our lives. And it is so important when when you are in recovery that you start exploring those things. And that is where your power team comes in because you don't know what you don't know. So, right. therefore, you need to talk to people who have been there, who can listen to you what you're saying, but equally listen to what you're not saying and maybe point you in the right right direction and that is where a good life coach comes in uh, or a psychologist. Mm-hmm. sometimes you need a psychiatrist because there are so there's so much trauma and so much truly true mental. Unwellness, mental illness there. So you need a whole bunch of people to actually help you. But that is the deal with the past. You then need a a whole bunch of people to help you create the future that you want and deserve. And for that, you you listen to people like us. So if I get my shit together and Stephanie, she can get her shit together, well, there might still be hope for you actually. Okay. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Well, Life is the short.
0: to be humble enough to be able to look at that and receive that. Okay, maybe yeah. I'm not there. Yeah. Maybe I'm not perfect yet. Maybe I need some help from other people. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. But also do I want to be perfect? Actually, no. no, because it means i've stopped, I become stagnant, and for me, it is beautiful to explore, to find new ways to find new insights. I'm a lifelong learner, and I want to learn about myself i I've learned so much already, but I've only just scratched the surface. Let's be serious here i There is so much more in me waiting to be ah. Uh, discovered uncovered there's so much energy waiting to be released because the moment I I take that band-aid off it might hurt for a moment but then that is a new kind of pain or feeling whatever it is that will drive me forwards so it's it's another little pull on the string of your bow and uh, sometimes it hurts and you have to really pull hard and um, get I get pulled back, but then when it is released, my goodness, where will this error go? And that is the amazing thing. That is, I'm looking forward to that. Every single day, something new will push me forward. Uh, right now, sitting here with you, you honor me by uh, by letting me share my story and by sharing my story, I hear it. The moment it is spoken out, it becomes a different kind of truth. Yeah. It becomes that kind of more tangible. I can't take that word back. Yeah. It is out of hiding. Therefore, it has come out. It has freed me. It is. It is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful feeling. It is. Uh, yeah. It's a release yes. in the nicest possible yes. way. So. so good. Oh.
0: What are your thoughts? Um, I know our job is not to, you know. Well, your job is as a doctor, but my job isn't to diagnose somebody else or tell somebody else, yeah, that may be alcoholism. But what are your thoughts with the recent, um, with the pandemic and the increase of drinking so much that, I mean, it's almost become comical, you know, oh, I'm day drinking or the jokes Mm. around Zoom meetings and drinking. What are your thoughts on that?
1: It's a very slippery slope. Um, it's a very, um, it's very easy to numb yourself because you have got the trauma of abandonment, the trauma of solitary confinement, uh, if you wanted to look at it in a negative way. Um, Therefore, you don't know what to do. And for many people, that is trauma. They have never learned how to deal with their negative emotions. Now they are no longer at a workplace that distracts them now they have to come up with the self um, self what is the word the self-control right. to actually have a structured life to get up at eight in the morning or at seven in the morning actually do something um, get out of bed have a shower um, do the right things and then actually live a productive day right. now for many people that is that is hard for some people, it is actually really good that that happens because many of us are, are sort of living at a, at a brink of burnout right. and then finally actually coming off the hamster wheel um, because you can't go to work, then that can be a blessing in disguise. Right. But you need to realize it for what it is. Yeah. And yeah. if you actually have to spend one, two, three months on the couch eating junk food and watching binge-watching Netflix... That might actually be just what the doctor ordered. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we need to be careful. We can't bedevil something. Um, so self self control is all quite good. But maybe maybe you have burned a candle too many times yeah. on both ends, and it is now time for you literally to crash and burn. Yeah. And yeah. if that is the case, I'm so pleased for you that the uh, pandemic, one way or the other, has, has given you that silver lining uh, around the cloud. And This might just be what you needed. Having said that, to have a pity party is absolutely okay. And we all have it and we all should have it. We all should take time out from now and then um, to feel the negative thoughts. But don't pitch a tent over there, okay? Just, just you know, visit and then say, okay, cool. Thank you for the reminder. Thank you. I did not look after myself. I did not show me the self-love that I needed to to stay well therefore, I'm paying the price now. So that's okay. That's, that's really, really good. But now it's time for you to actually think, who do you want to be when you grow up? And if you have already a clear vision, then what stops you working on that? If you don't have a clear vision, then it's time to dream. Then it's time for goal setting. Then it's time to say, okay, you're really pissed off with your life right now. You have lost your job. Okay. Was that job really the, what you wanted to do in your life? Or what do you actually want to do? Who are you? Most of us can't answer that. Right. So, therefore, the biggest thing that you can do is actually do a, a, a targeted dreaming. Mm. Try to see what are the roles in your life. And, okay, you are a man, a woman, or you're you a proud non-gender, non-binary person, um, that's cool. So you've got a baseline, that's you. Um, what are your roles now? So, okay, you're a father, you're a partner, you're a son, you are a coworker, etc. A provider. Well, okay, so have a look at each of these roles and figure it out. Well, Emma, are you happy with what you're doing in that role? There is that, that beautiful emotional bank account. Um, so if you're in a relationship with someone, you can't just constantly withdrawing from the bank account, withdrawing and never put anything in. I'm sorry. And that will uh, soon, the bank account will say, sorry, you don't get anything mm-hmm. from me.
0: My teenage uh, daughter is learning that with the real bank account world.
1: <laughs> right, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but the same holds true with any relationship. That's true. Right. If you yeah. actually don't, don't go out of your way and actually put something into that bank account. If right. you, if you don't do anything, maybe don't be surprised that you're not in a happy marriage, happy relationship. On the flip side, turn that around and say, okay, thank you for the reminder. So what could I do? Five minutes each day, every day, no break, five minutes only where I focus on that relationship. That mm. could mean that one day you wash up. If that was something that you never do. Or that you go down there and fold the washing. Or that you write that little post-it note and put it somewhere where he or she finds it. And and do that every day. Could you imagine that after thirty days your relationship has changed? Right. Probably your partner will think, What the hell? What's going on here? I he never she never does that. But you know if you were to put 5 minutes only 5 yeah. minutes yeah. into your relationship would that change right. if you do not do the same let's say with your finances depending on where you are in life how bad off you are right now with the with covid um you might think well i'm really struggling to buy a, a, a tin of uh, or a can of baked beans right. well that's cool what can you sell what can you sell do you really all need all the junk that is in your garage or is there something you can put on ebay or however you want to sell and make a few dollars do you really need all the subscriptions to magazines and whatever you have got okay. or can you save a few dollars there five minutes one action point every day yeah. you can do a bit more but at least five minutes so do you think after 30 days your finances will look different I venture, I guess, and say yes. Okay. So now do that with all those single roles that you have. Uh, your own fitness. Don't go out there and roll for a marathon, idiot. No. Yeah. But why don't you actually walk once around the block if you right. can? Right. Or, or if you can't, then, okay, what can you actually do? Right. You know? You've, you've heard about this planking. Well, okay. Why well, don't you try? Why don't you try two, three times a day, 10 seconds, and okay. see if that works. And then see, you know, things like that. Never much, but never nothing either. Right. And very soon it becomes a habit of you. You actually look forward to doing those five minutes. And inevitably, out five minutes, you will get more. So these are the, the options, the, the, the um, opportunities that such a forced reset can give you the flip side is of course you can actually fall into the trap ah see i can let myself go now i don't need to wash i can stink because i don't need to see anyone and i can i don't really need to do that i don't need to do that so you start taking shortcuts on your health on everything else and no one cares for a few days if you drink in the morning it might actually be a nice thing i mean you know make something positive out of it and but then again, do you really wanna be in that constant numbness? Right. And then in that constant hangover right. uh, or anywhere in between? Um, some of us chose chose to in the past and choose now. And I guess that's the reason that you and I are having this talk to actually highlight that and actually say, just hold a mirror in front of people's faces and say, yes, it's a temptation. And yeah, for a few days, it's okay. Um, go on a holiday, and some holidays are rather boozy. There's nothing really wrong with that, unless you make so stupid decisions whilst you're right, drunk right. that you're coming home with some unwanted guests in, in <laughs> somewhere on your body. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or in your body if you're a girl. <laughs> yeah. So, not good. Um, not good. Th- yeah, exactly. So, it's up to you guys. I think living with a consciousness and with a or being being conscious about the privilege of living that right now matters etc that is that is the key thing that makes it beautiful for me so for me to have a few days off is an absolute blessing because i now don't need to work and i can work on other things that i want to work on So, therefore, if you, again, rephrase it into something positive, then this can become very powerful. And I already hear some people out there. See, I can hear you from here in New Zealand. (laughs) You saying, what an asshole, what a dick. Here, I don't know how to feed my family. I will not know if I've got a job. Yeah, that's correct. And how many people? Where my, my counter is how many people were exactly in this place, which was so outside of their comfort zone, that they actually had to start taking action. Right. And by doing so, they developed the a habit of taking action. And they were so much in pain that they actually now moved forward. But they now not just drank water like mad and, and just wasted energy, but they actually started swimming in one direction. Not around a circle or on around a circle in the hamster wheel, but actually you went one direction and you say, "Well, why can't I be a a coach? Why can't I open up my own film studio? Why can't I write a book? Why can't I?"
0: And choices, yeah,
1: exactly. And I, I this, and I actually asked a stupid question, a series of stupid questions. Why can't I? Well, the brain will tell you why you can't. What you should rather ask is, well, how can I? Yes. And what, what stands in my way? I think that's a valid question because then you also have to address your own feelings that stand in the way, the imposter syndrome, the, all those kind of things. But I mean, you know, my steps there, nine, there, there. There, steps. There, that's steps, no, that's, oh, for Christ's sake, I'm getting <laughs> left or right mixed up. Behind me are two books. <laughs> that, oh, for Christ's sake, that one there. Yes. <laughs> yes. So we've got Steps to Sobriety there, um, which is a book I wrote two years ago. Then there's a children's book behind me there, oh. which is The Adventures of Esme, the Mindful Mouse. So these are things. Would you have told me that three years ago that I would be writing a book um, about, my mental health or the mental health of others i would have thought you're kidding me how stupid are you me never but here i am and so the question is for you who do you want to become yeah so that is the, 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 the truest most important question what is your why why do you want to be that different person and then the question is who is this different person right okay and The moment you ask the right questions and find an uh, accountability partner, you're putting things in writing, maybe write a journal and actually write those things down. And suddenly there it is black and white in front of you. Very powerful. I want to earn $112,000 every year without me having to go to work. Uh, Okay. That's a goal. Cool. Next question then is your brain says, okay, well, how can we do that? Um, And, guess what it will come up with ideas and you might actually ask someone who has done something similar and he says what do you mean hundred twelve thousand why not twelve million um and oh okay i didn't want to think this big (laughs) but no no you you think big you know Mm -hmm. do you want do you want a marriage that is okay or do you want a marriage that is absolutely beautiful where you can't wait to meet that person after a day at work or you're going on a, on a run and you, you come back and you're sweaty and, and dripping, but you still want to hug this person, yeah. you know, yeah. and uh, that is the kind of a thing that is, uh, that is the relationship I want. Right. Why settle for, oh yeah, she's okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. no. Do that with every part of your life. And that is exactly and I'm trying and I've been I've been very good when it came to my health. I've been very good when it came to my wealth um, in my work what i'm not good is still not good is my weight so i'm still have got core beliefs that have so far stopped me i still am an emotional overeater um so if stress hits me then i fell in the past again and again into the trap of using sugar or high calorie items to actually make me feel good give me that immediate kind of ah and not not listening that my body really needed other things um so that's my journey so that is something that where i worked on this year and and i did so uh by completely changing my core belief i my core belief my absolute thing that i know to be true is that there is nothing that will stand in my way of getting into shape this year there is nothing that will stand in my way, Good. and so therefore I, that is that is the core belief uh, that I had really worked hard on, and that now allows me to move forward right. rather than mm-hmm. exactly rather than the firmest that that wants to go back to the hundred forty kilogram because that's what I know, right. what is comfortable. That's the the certainty. The certainty is there, my brain knows. Hundred forty, yeah, you're a fat, bastard. But you know exactly what it is, and that's it. Um, to now actually right. change that. Ooh, change is not good. Right. There's no uncertainty. Hmm, how do we do that? You know, those kind of things. But that is that is nature. That is us. Yeah. Um, and that is where I get the privilege to learn every day new techniques new get new insights meet new people that become my mentors or that give me an insight where i say hey yeah now that you say it that way huh how beautiful is that i love it love it love it love it mm.
0: i love that this I, you are so much fun to talk to and i love <sighs> your wisdom um, i love your journey so thank you Um, So you shared a little bit about your books. Tell us about your podcast.
1: All right. My Steps to Sobriety um, is on YouTube as a YouTube channel and um, as a podcast. I bring on guests who have gone through hell and back and kept going. And I want to learn from them. How did they deal with their trauma, etc.? So I, I ask a lot of questions behind the addiction, I look at the, the taboos, at the the prejudices on the traumas, the demons that are haunting us, um, those are the things that are of interest to me. Yes, of course, there will be other cases where we talk about the alcoholism, where we talk about the, the way how we have numbed ourselves, let that be sex, gambling, drugs, uh, alcohol, work, sport, all these kind of things. Um, I bring on people who have gone through incredibly hard times. Um, I have had two concentration camp survivors on my show. I had people who have lost absolutely everything and then some. I've had people who had death sentences uh, due to disease, uh, due to, to nasty traumas who somehow have survived and now are sharing their stories. So there's, these are all stories of hope. Yes and where people again and again proved to me that my mantra the past does not equal the future is absolutely right so therefore that is what my show is all about Um i'm coming back full circle to where i started off initially there were no no interviews it was me sharing with my story and it was sort of all a bit bit yeah it was all about me and i thought now nah, this is not about me and and hmm, this is this is about others and i guess to a degree, I started hiding behind my guests. I started mm-hmm. hiding behind behind other s- stories, and once I actually then engaged in rewriting Steps to Sobriety and engaged in other uh, projects, other books that I'm currently offering or co-offering, mm-hmm. uh, it became clear to me: stop hiding, stop hiding. It is you have got a voice, you have got a message. It's time for that to come out. And so, therefore, I'm coming full circle. So I'm I continue with my beautiful guests, but I'm also doing solo sessions where I just share maybe five minutes of something that happened today, how I dealt with it. Um, Maybe, maybe I just do the cutout of the of the coffee. That that would be (laughs) exactly. (laughs) So, but it is it is you know it's that kind of shit where you can actually uh, share and and show people, hey, look, you know, it is. Just roll with the punches and move on. Yes, two steps back, but there will be, there must be one step forward. And sometimes it's two, three steps forward in a day. That's cool. Take it. And if it's two steps back, that's a shit day. Okay. So tomorrow's will be a new day. Hmm. So uh, guys out there, if you're interested to share your story on my podcast, within all means, have a look at dot com. So that's a good hub where you're going to find. Uh, There's my website where you're going to find links to the books that I'm looking for co-authors at the moment. For my podcast, there is enrollment forms there for you to become a guest. And so well, I'm asking you a few questions to be able to get to know you a little bit better and uh, many, many other things. So that's it is com, all written in one thing. And yeah, check it out. And, uh, you know. Uh, Let's, let's all come together. If you have a story to tell that, that brings hope and that has changed maybe another person's life already and you feel, wow, this is actually really beautiful. Then let me be of assistance. Let me be, let me be another platform where we can can increase your voice and the reach of your voice. Um, so yes, we are all there to make this world a little bit better, one interview at a time, and it's an amazing journey. So guys, come on board if you want to.
0: That is fabulous, and it's so healing to tell your story. <clears throat> yes, it helps other people, but it's amazing how much it helps you as well mm-hmm. and you read my mind i was going to ask you how people can find you and <laughs> and you just answered my question so get out of there you don't want to be yeah,
1: that's, uh, <laughs> that's a bit scary isn't it, it really that is. happens <laughs> that happens when you're in recovery that happens right. when you're together because it's sort of a, a brother and sisterhood yep. that develops yep. we we are we all we all have been bullshitters and you can't bullshit a bullshitter okay so so we know each other we know how we I think it. i love it yes we have so,
0: a special bond that, isn't that others yes that's so true so final question what sure. does resilience mean to you
1: resilience for me is to accept that there are things out there that I can't change. And that there will be moments of darkness in my life. There will be times when I'm not happy. There will be times when I'm incredibly sad and depressed. There will be times when I hate it, when toxic people come into my life. I can't do anything about that. But I can choose how I respond to those challenges. Sometimes there, it's okay to just use consciousness and say, okay, he's really a dick. And, you know, he's going through his own trauma. Okay. I understand that there are other times when maybe you have to become a different person, that person that you don't really want others to see so much, the survivor, the person who would take a life without blinking in order to let you survive or let your family survive, that's okay. Sometimes these kind of people need to come out to play as well. That is all resilience. Resilience means that you choose how you respond, and if it is life and death, you choose right and you protect your life, and you but also choose to look at an email and say, "Well, yeah, thank you very much." Uh, your brain tells me that this is life and death, but nah, this email is not life and death. I'm sorry, nope. There is no, there is no immediate threat. So therefore I don't need to go onto the warp path immediately. Right, right. So that is resilience. Resilience is choosing your action uh, in response to what is coming at you uh, at any moment in your life.
0: That's good. I love it. Mm. Thank you so much, Stefan. It was just so wonderful to talk to you. And, um, your story is, Hmm. is brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for the work that you've done to Hmm. really make a difference in other people's lives. So Hmm. you're doing good stuff.
1: And likewise, Stephanie, it's an honor for me to be on your show. And let's make this world a little bit better, one action at a time. So if you have any ideas how to collaborate, if you guys out there have got any ideas how to collaborate, get in touch with us, get in touch with Stephanie with me and see just what is happening. Build your own tribe. And who knows, maybe we can help this world. It bloody well needs it at the moment. So I would not uh, disagree with you on that one. Yes, (laughs) we need help.
0: Yes. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for joining us on Resilience in Life and Leadership. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. Please share with anyone you think will benefit from this podcast.